what's up? Welcome to Narcast. This is uh, my, my favorite episode so far. Episode 10. Yep, we're doing all things uh, paying tribute to the gods tonight. <laughs> yeah. My favorite all-time band. Um, aside from Dom, the reason I wake up in the morning, we're doing Motorhead tonight. Oh, I thought we were doing Nelson. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes, well... Uh, Ignore the picture. It's just it's just uh, sugar on the table. It's not actually like it's not actually any uh any we're we're not into those kind of extracurriculars. Is it booger sugar? <laughs> no one knows beers tonight. Knows beers. Uh, past that uh stage in life. Uh, well, we're doing all things Motorhead. It's going through a pretty perfect discography. If a band has any, yeah. if a, if a poster child's for anything other than. Speed and booze and sex with nefarious young ladies. It's definitely consistency. So yeah, uh, it's hard. It's hard to pick up some tops. We're gonna go through the different phases and kind of trying to. I know usually we start out with you know what we've been listening to this week or anything like that. But I mean, with me, it's literally been straight motor. Yeah, it's been nothing but motor for me and the new power from hell. Uh, which is actually really good. Probably one of, my, like one of my runners up for uh, for album of the year so far. Oh, wow. Uh, really, really cool. It's a good mix of like... I think from Chile or something. Yeah. They're Brazilian. Brazilian, okay. But it's a good mix of like speed metal, but there's a lot more like second wave black metal on this. Uh, and it's really, really cool. It's good. Uh, but other than that, it's pretty much been straight motorhead. A lot of the uh, well, the stuff, Overnight Sensation and On, uh, which we're going to get into, I love a lot of that stuff but I kind of wanted to go through first and just give my list of the albums ranked mm-hmm. and if you want to if you have the same we can do that um, yeah go ahead and we'll, we'll get into these in detail trust me but I go Another Perfect Day then Ace of Spades Bomber Overkill Snakebite Love Iron Fist Sacrifice Inferno Motorhead Self-Titled we are Motorhead, Overnight Sensation, uh, Bastards, Orgasmatron. I also snake in the No Remorse uh, EP in there too. March or Die, Black Magic, or Bad Magic, I'm sorry. 1916, Rock and Roll, Kiss of Death, Motorizer, World is Yours, Hammered, and then Aftershock. That's a mouthful. <laughs> it's like he's been talking for 20 minutes right, about right. naming off Motorhead albums. I think with all compilations and live albums and studio releases, they have like 40 some out, 40 some releases. And if you include, and include EPs, it's up in the thousands. 300, I was about to say 378 in like 1981. <laughs> yeah. No, I went uh, number one, Another Perfect Day, which I know we agree on. Absolutely. Um, it's kind of hard. I wrote this list and then I went back. I changed them. mine as we were doing the yeah. intro. And I'm sitting here like changing them. I'm going, I'm like, man, I don't know. I would say my number two, believe it or not, is probably Iron Fist. And Love then, Iron Fist. Then I go Orgasmatron, Rock and Roll, Ace of Spades, Bomber, 1916, Overkill, Bastards. I did sacrifice then the self-title, but I think I would actually go with the self-title, then sacrifice, mm-hmm. then march or die, and then honestly from overnight sensation on, 
I'm going to say the, the standouts for me are Hammered, Inferno, Kiss of Death, and Motorizer. Mm -hmm. All of the others kind of tie as last. But being in last for a Motorhead collection is still far right. above I, 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 most yeah, fans. I, yeah, I think we're going to get to that too. Like other reviewers and other shows say, um, Motorhead doesn't make bad albums. Uh, no. They don't really have a bad album. They have ones that maybe we think we like a little bit more. Mm -hmm. They have Motorhead Bad, mm -hmm. which is better than your band's best record, probably. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, I mean, we'll get right into it. I mean, I go phase, phase. I break it up into four phases. And I go phase one, we have, obviously, we have Motorhead Starts. We all know the story, you know, post Hawkwind, uh, which we both love, too. Yeah. And we could do, Hawkwind and rules. probably will eventually do a space rock. Psychedelic rock. Oh, we're gonna have to because I'm gonna talk about Hawkwind and Monster Magnet for six and a half right. hours. So, <laughs> well, let me somebody who used to do speed for six and a half hours probably the reason he got kicked out of Motorhead in the first place. <laughs> Notoriously, uh, uh, <laughs> a speed freak, nonetheless, mm -hmm. who uh, really kind of was uh, a little difficult in Hawkwind. Uh, yeah, he's he was it was weird with him being in Hawkwind because. He seemed to be not a good fit, not musically, but he was just more of a, he was a maniac yeah. compared to the other guys. I mean, those <laughs> the other guys, they don't seem to be, uh, you know, very into speed. Right. It was more pot and LSD. It really was. I mean, Lemmy, Lemmy was, honestly, the, the riffs in Hawkwind, you know, the personal riffs that they had were really because of the, the weird cocktail of drugs half the members are on. Uh, you know, Lemmy being, you know, into speed and into more of the uppers and drinking and stuff like that. Um, he really did kind of create this style for himself that really was at odds with the rest of the band and, you know, his notorious uh, exit from Hawkwind where he yeah. gets kind of kicked out. Canadian border. Right. <laughs> Tries to get started a new band, uh, Bastards, which was originally going to be the first incarnation of Motorhead, where you had Larry Wallace and Lucas Fox, uh, the original uh, guitar player and drummer of Motorhead. It's funny that Motorhead and Saxon both started out with things. I think Saxon was supposed to be called Son of a Bitch, mm -hmm. and then Motorhead's supposed to be Bastards, right. and they end up being... And, and notoriously had the famous... Uh, ad in magazines that said the band that if they move next to you, your lawn would die. Yeah, your lawn would die. <laughs> uh, so really, Motorhead gets a lot of praise. I mean, let's, Hawkwind was really a well-respected band. Yeah. Famously, when they played in Cleveland, uh, when Hawkwind played Cleveland, uh, they somehow they had uh, some bad LSD <laughs> in, in, the, in the crowd and people were spiked with some bad stuff and they used to have these strobe lights that they would put purposely on like really low settings mm -hmm. and like gave like a, a hundred people seizures but just crazy <laughs> crazy uh, uh times but i think that motorhead crazy too because a band that almost didn't even happen uh you know they kind of flounder around with, with larry and, and and lucas and they kind of doesn't really work out uh with with larry too much um or or lucas and they they end up getting fast eddie uh, really, who was uh, a kind of fell into their lap pretty much. Yeah, I, I uh, love the story that Fast Eddie told about when he when Lemmy asked him to be in the band. He just showed up as a, at his apartment, knocked on the door, 
Eddie opens the door and Lemmy just hands him a leather jacket and a bullet mm-hmm. belt and says, "You're in the band." He was actually he was the, <laughs> he was the boss of Phil Taylor because when Lucas Fox doesn't work out, they get Filthy Animal Taylor, who was basically new Lemmy from Hawk when he wasn't really a big fan, famously, but he uh, obviously uh, used to give him rides to get drugs and basically. Uh, they started talking, and uh, he joins the band first. He was actually Eddie's. Eddie was his boss, mm-hmm. and he even shows up, and he'd always be like, "Oh, you know, I'd show up at like eight in the morning and you get started." And like Phil Taylor would be there. Mm-hmm. Like, he'd been up since three days ago, <laughs> just like doing all this stuff. So they end up kind of floundering around from like '76 to '77 before they do the first record, and they're not really going anywhere, and they were gonna break up. Uh, once Larry Wallace leaves the band and they kind of become that classic trio, mm-hmm. he really couldn't get a deal and they were kind of floundering around and they were going to break up. Their last show was going to be at the Marquee and they almost never happened. Like Motorhead almost never happened. Mm-hmm. And they get that first album, that self-titled record, which you just mentioned is, you know, uh, really from Motorhead, Overkill, Bomber, Ace of Spades, Iron Fist. That's the classic I mean, it was unstoppable. You know, the the first the uh, self-titled is, you know, it's funny when I, you know, we were talking earlier about how people in the 70s, I always hear this stuff about how, you know, disco was big and you had this crappy, just like adult rock, like Eagles and all this other stuff that was big in the 70s. And then he had Van, everybody credits Van Halen for coming. And I get that. But Lemmy was kind of like the unsung, Motorhead was the unsung hero because that album Mm -hmm. is heavy as hell and it's more punk than so many different punk bands that came out. Changed punk. Yeah. People forget too, Motorhead really was the band. You talk about the original metal punk band and metal punk in the way where not only did they change metal and help influence thrash and speed metal, and the new wave of British heavy metal, which is kind of in its mm-hmm. nucleus at this time, they listened to GBH, listened to The Exploited, those records yeah. from 82, 83, listened to Discharge, you hear Motorhead. Mm-hmm. And Discharge is a band that's famously famous, no pun intended, for their drum beat. Mm-hmm. D-beat, punk, is, you know... And in interviews, they've even said, Phil Taylor is the reason why we even started doing this in the first place. Yeah, I mean the, the drumming in Motorhead, they took rock and roll to heavier new speeds that really listen to that first Motorhead record and Overkill. No bands were doing this at this time. And you have to almost put yourself in the mindset, imagine being a kid like a young Lars Ulrich mm-hmm. who became their West Coast fan club president. Yeah. There were not bands that sounded like Motorhead. Nobody sounded like them. And I mean it's crazy when I, you know, you go back and you listen to all those early albums and how the thing is that, yeah, they were loud and they, they were rowdy and they, they, they were intense. I mean, it was heavy, but the the musicianship is unbelievable. Fast Eddie is was an amazing player. Listen to his guitar playing on Iron Horse Born to Lose. Mm-hmm. The playing is unreal. I mean, you know, we talk all the time about, you know, uh, Phil Taylor just being an absolute, you know, as his nickname, just an animal Mm -hmm. on the drums. I mean, everything about that band was, with that 
original lineup, that trio, I mean, they were a dangerous band. I, I always hate when critics use that term, they're dangerous. Guns yeah. N' Roses was dangerous. It's like, no, Motorhead was dangerous as hell. Yeah, they were. Because they didn't follow anything. They sounded, they, they kind of fall into the, uh, you know, I, I hate bringing this band up with Motorhead, but it's like, what does Tool sound like? Like Tool, what does Motorhead sound like? Like fucking Motorhead. Right. Like nobody sounds, there's bands now um, that ape that sound, but nobody at that time sounded like, no. nobody had Lemmy's bass tone. No, and I think that that's the crazy thing too is, we obviously Phil Taylor, my favorite drummer of all time, and my favorite drum beat ever is Shoot You in the Back. Mm-hmm. It's my favorite performance on drums of a person with a pulse ever. <laughs> but Overkill, for example, you know, Phil Taylor talks about practicing that song. Mm-hmm. He was just trying to play the riff, and we give Phil Taylor all the credit. He's a maniac. He was playing fast, but he started playing faster because of the way Lemmy played bass, mm-hmm. which was unlike any other bass player. People well, he played bass Lemmy. like a guitar. Yeah, and we'll talk at length throughout this about Lemmy's lyrics and his you know, his voice and his, his image being iconic. But his bass playing, I think, needs to be the first thing we mention because that rhythm section playing that way, playing the bass like a guitar, mm-hmm. s- helped speed the music up. Oh, yeah. And Phil Taylor practicing that overkill beat, that's where they get the beginning of that song. The song was crazy. He came in and he was just trying to play the riff. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, I think that his faster. bass playing is what, he, typically it's like the guitar that makes the songs or a band sound heavier because it's the guitar tone. But in this case, the guitar tone, I think is, is killer and it's great, but what stood out was his bass tone. And the bass tone literally sound like, you know, a, a, you know two or three Panzers. Yeah, always you know, fast, always just led by a bass. It's, and we talk about Fast Eddie, and I really, it's funny you mentioned like his style of playing, because Motorhead in this early phase is known for speed and obviously taking speed and playing fast, but mm-hmm. it's Eddie's bluesier songs, mm-hmm. Chase is Better Than the Catch, Step Down mm-hmm. on Bomber, which his bluesier songs are so good, and mm-hmm. he had such a swagger with his playing that I think is really unmatched. Dude, Metropolis. Metropolis, yeah. <laughs> uh, Limb from Limb, which is probably the best blues metal song ever written that's the thing you know i i in lemmy's uh you know his during his uh eulogy you know dave Grohl giving a you know his memories of lemmy and all that he said that motorhead was the one band that lemmy and motorhead that married his love of black flag and gbh Mm -hmm. and the ramones to Black Sabbath and Led Zeppelin mm-hmm. and you know and that's absolutely true because the thing but the thing is that Lemmy wasn't following any sort of punk no if anything like, he, he, he was created if anything he was kind of leading it yeah and so that's the crazy thing it's like I can hear and you can hear all of those influences in there perfectly yeah and they're all like mixed in with each other on top of each other and you can hear all of it Perfectly. And also, we should also note that the first record, Speedy, the producer, worked with Johnny Thunders, mm-hmm. you know, and had a punk uh, background, worked famously with The Who and stuff like that. So we have, 
a lineage with with punk um you know and it's it's kind of it motorhead and punk always kind of went hand in hand mm-hmm. in, in a strange way and out of these these first class ones obviously motorhead overkill bomber ace spades um and iron fist can you rank those can you give I mean, I would go because Iron Fist is my number two. So I would, I would go Iron Fist, um, then Ace of Spades, then Overkill, just because of Metropolis, and then Bomber. Mm-hmm. But it's weird, is I mean, I, I see Iron Fist really low in a lot of people's lists. I agree, and I want to talk about that. Weird. I, I think, I think Bomber and Iron Fist don't get enough credit. And I think albums like Orgasmatron get too much credit. Mm-hmm. And I think that Bomber seems a little rushed. And I think that o- Overkill's really the first, some people call it really the first proper Motorhead record. Yeah. Because the first one's a little, well, the sound isn't really. No, because there's like straight yet. punk songs and there's like straight blues songs. Yeah. And there's, straight, and there's a lot that you can tell that they were kind of like all over the place. But yeah, Overkill is the one that if you really want to think about it, it's kind of like UFO to me where UFO didn't really become UFO until Phenomenon. Yeah, I mean, with Larry you know. Wallace, I mean, there's a UFO connection anyway. I mean, mm-hmm. you, you, Motorhead and UFO have a long, well, you know, kind of a long history together. So yeah, that makes like, sense. That's like a lot of those British bands, right. with, you know, but it's like, yeah, no, I agree that I think over, and I think that being in a lot of people's eyes that, the, a proper debut would be Overkill, but it's like mm-hmm. they kind of they really do skip over Bomber, and I think it's because yeah. of Ace of Spades being I agree. arguably the most popular Motorhead and, song and ever. This is a band that really was not successful in the early days, and until Ace, yeah. you know, Overkill and, and Bomber, until Ace of Spades, Motorhead was really largely ignored in the United States, mm-hmm. um, and a band that was really kind of struggling. Uh, famously, Eddie Clark and Motorhead didn't get. They got on top of the pops from the first uh, when they when they did the single for Louis Louis, mm-hmm. and he was he had a job painting houses, <laughs> and he has that famous thing where he's telling the the guy painting like, "Hey, do you mind if we take a break and put on the TV? I'm going to be on in five minutes." And he's sitting there with a paintbrush watching himself on top of the pops. <laughs> so they were really struggling. This is a band that really lived on the road. Mm-hmm. And Lemmy, I want to get a quote in where he always, one of his best quotes, is really profound as we go through this and talk about this band, that Motorhead never really achieved superstardom. And as we get to the end of the era with Fast Eddie, Lemmy said it almost kind of was a beautiful thing because they never achieved that superstar status. Mm -hmm. And because of that, they were always kind of the underdog, hungry, clawing. And he said that bands should always be hungry and clawing. Not that superstardom is bad, but it almost works against you. Because bands should always want to keep going and striving for it. When you get a $10 million paycheck, you're just kind of like, eh. Right. I mean, where's the... Where's the drive? Where's the energy? The desire to go out and write something? I mean, that's like, you know, the classic story that Dee Snyder told about, you know, when he's sitting in his, you know, he's at his mansion in his in his pool, surrounded by Corvettes and Ferraris, and he's trying to think of the next 
you know, the next great teen angst song other than We're Not Gonna Take right. It. Right, it's hard. And he's <laughs> sitting there and he's like, I, I can't write it. What am I mad at? It's like Kiss always wrote songs that were about loving life or sex. Or banging chicks. Because what, what, like, that's when they wrote, you know, that's like, you know, the Carnival of Souls era. Or Paul's Mangled Ear. Paul was, <laughs> Paul was like, it's kind of hard for like, He's like, what am I going to write? We're going to write about, like, our, 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 our house cleaners didn't come that day or something. Like, it's kind of our maids were on vacation. Like, but I think with Overkill and Bomber, I, I would go Ace of Spades, Overkill, Bomber, Iron Fist, then the self-titled. And mm-hmm. I think that Bomber, I want to talk about a little bit because I think it's so... I love Step Down so much. I love the title track, Bomber. I do, I do agree that it's kind of... It does feel a little bit rushed. Mm-hmm. A bit. Whereas Overkill seems a little bit... It's just sandwiched in between Overkill and Ace of Spades. You're just doomed when you're in that position. Yeah. You're just... You're always going to get overlooked. As good as the songs are. Poison is one of my favorite Motorhead songs. Um, it, it has a great live feel. Well, there's a lot of... To me, it's like if you're going to go on the early albums... It has, it's like full of deep cuts because you always hear about the songs on Overkill mm-hmm. or Ace of Spades or Iron Fist. But this, I mean... All the aces. Yeah, dude. Lawman, Sweet Revenge, Sharpshooter. Good slow songs on Bomb. Stone Dead Forever. Sweet Revenge. Uh, all the aces, Step Down. They have just a good groove to them. Yeah. And I, there are some days I honestly think that Bomber might be a better album than Overkill. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, it's with Metropolis. It's kind of like, yeah, Metropolis. To for me, me, it's limb from limb. I mean, that's my favorite. So that's the song on Overkill that does it for me. It's with Metropolis. It's kind of like with the, the reason why I think that album's so awesome. It's kind of like China White on Blackout Scorpions. Yeah, that album's worth the price of admission alone. And yeah, just China, China White's the best song on Scorpions ever. Wrote. Yeah, so good. That riff comes in and it kills you. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of like Metropolis. It's so like hypnotic, and the riff is so catchy. Um, but Ace of Spades is like perfect. It's a perfect. Record. I mean, dude, every song is. We were talking about this last night. We were at the it's like a it's, show, and we were we were talking about it with random people because I told people about the episode tonight. Mm-hmm. And now it's funny because a bunch of people we started talking Motorhead all night, and people started ranking, and people were just like, you know, another perfect day, which we're going to get to. Mm-hmm. Uh, the divisive record, but we'll get to that in a second. Mm-hmm. That's next. But Ace of Spades, you know, people I think don't want to pick it because it's so, you know, I, I, I think Ace of Spades, there's two things I want to talk about. One, it starts the bullshit rumor that Motorhead writes the same song and the mm-hmm. same album all the time, which we'll see as we go through this discography is nothing could be further from the truth. Yeah. They're a band that's way more musically diverse way more daring maybe they keep the same almost formula Mm -hmm. but they definitely branch out and try different things and people who think that have never listened to their whole discography you know and with Ace of Spades it pretty much is the hype though is real when people say like a lot of times it's like oh this album is their best people are like eh well but this is like it's it's own greatest hits name me a bad track we're gonna go through the tracks name me a bad track on this album there isn't there is not (laughs) There's not a thing that even remotely resembles Dude, love a me. fraction of a bad song. I mean, obviously, aside from Ace of Spades, which is Ace of Spades 
and Iron Fist, you know, with Ace of Spades, as soon as it starts, you know exactly yeah. what it is. And the same with Iron Fist. When you start the album, you know exactly what mm-hmm. album you're listening to. And I think that, and it's his iconic bass playing. But just aside from Ace of Spades and Love Me Like a Reptile, Shoot You in the Back, Live to Win is probably my favorite song on the entire album. Right. Fast and Loose, We Are the Road Crew, Fire, Fire, Jailbait. I mean, it's... Chase is better than the catch, and, and Shoot You in the Back are tied for my top on that. Yeah, dude. It's so awesome. The album cover is awesome. <laughs> Sandstone Quarry. It's that's just... in England, and that's an airbrushed sky. So that's... <laughs> but yeah, it's... And the image of, like, the cowboys and the aces and, like, the They're outlaws. just outlaws, yeah. Like, the, it's so... It's so cool. It's such a... They're one band that literally never changed their look. No. They've always looked like dirtbags from day one, like bikers. And and I, I know people talk about, because I've heard, you know, oh, well, you buy one Motorhead album, you buy them all. But like you said, it's they're not really listening to it. No. Because they even though it's the same formula, there's a lot of differences. I'll even say the same for a band like ACDC mm-hmm. where a lot of people go well you listen to one album you listen to them all and it's like I can't think and I could be wrong I'm sure there's people you know out there maybe some listening that'd be like no 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 there's some songs that are similar but I can't think of two ACDC songs that are similar to me no I when can't think of two albums that I, yeah. I don't think Highway to Hell sounds anything like Fly on the Wall or when you're that good at what you do it's not you're not going to write the same album over no. and over and over. Just through these first albums, the self-titled to Ace of Spades, we get a lot of diversity. Overkill alone has, like you said, bluesy songs, fast songs, punky songs. You know, they're doing a lot with simplicity. Mm-hmm. It's seemingly is simple, but you listen to these riffs. These are well-crafted songs. These are fan- this is a fantastically tight band. And, you know, I don't think that it would it would work as well if you have the attitude and the speed of Phil and Lemmy. I think having Fast Eddie in there was perfect. Yeah. Because he added so much to it. If you would have had just some regular punk guitarist, it, they would have been just kind of like a... No, you needed somebody that was going to be a little bit more head on their shoulders. Yeah, I mean, he added so... And that's no knock against the other two guys. I just think the other two guys were so hopped up on speed and right. they were just maniacs and to me like, like I was saying to you earlier tonight Fast Eddie always seemed to be like the more level headed of the three I, I think he just came from a different background as a musician too and as a yeah. person mm-hmm. where I think he was definitely uh, I think he Soft, he didn't he, do too much he wasn't as outspoken yeah. well <laughs> he did matter though it, it was he never overplayed but when he did, now when we get to Mickey D, I agree with the same thing. He didn't do too much. Mm-hmm. Phil Taylor is a maniac on drums. He's <laughs> all over the place. If you listen to like, like I keep going back to the shoot you in the back, like those drum fills are just he's a he's a psycho. Well, when I see people cover Ace of Spades, you can get the guitars down, you can get the bass down, you can get the vocals down, but nobody I've never seen a cover where they get. Every little nuance, they hit everything that Phil Taylor, and that's the thing. Phil Taylor is to Motorhead for me what Chuck Biscuits was 
to Danzig. He added so much because of his attitude behind the kit. And then here comes Mickey, who I think is an absolutely phenomenal drummer, but he just seems to be... He was so wide open in King Diamond. And we get the motorhead, and it just seems to be a little more straightforward. Because it, the thing, but here's the difference. I, Mickey didn't come from a punk background, no. and I don't think he's anywhere near as insane as Phil. So he he adds a different sound to the stuff that he's, that he's on, and we'll get to it. But Phil, I can't think of a better drummer no, at for, that time. Yeah, or a motorhead, period. I mean, Phil is a... Oh, he is. He is motorhead. Yeah. I think that also, too, with, like, you know, Mickey, when he joined, he's, he's, in his book, he said, you know, I could either replace him or I could just join the band. And you're not going to replace him because you can't. So, and he joined the band, and I think he made a conscious effort to just play the songs the way they're supposed to be. He felt they were supposed to be played. But... If he would have done what he could do, using all of his talents and abilities, he would have ruined the songs. Mm -hmm. Because he's much more technically proficient, but it would have changed the whole dynamic of, mm -hmm. of the band. And I think that that's really interesting to know, but we'll, we'll get to that. But we get finally to Iron Fist, which <clears throat> I think is the most overlooked. And I saw it low, see it low on a lot of people's lists, too. Um... I don't really think that that's fair. And I don't I understand that. I was looking at people's lists and I'm like, I never thought that I would see, okay, maybe the self-title, maybe the, maybe Motorhead. Yeah, because the sound isn't really German, isn't really, you know. No, but when I saw Iron Fist low on people's lists, I was like, I don't understand this. Like, I even saw Iron Fist lower than albums that came out in the 2000s. And I'm you like. listen past the title track. <laughs> yeah. America, uh, Don't Need Religion. That come yeah. on, man! Like, dude, I'm the doctor. Is probably go to hell, loser. Speed, for, don't let him grind you down. Bang to rights. It's a great album. I just don't understand. It's a little. Um, something to be left. It's a little. I think they were trying. Also, like we talked about, Bomber being between Overkill and Ace of Spades. I mean, any follow up to Ace of Spades was going to be negatively. Oh compared, yeah, you know. Um, and famously, Eddie, person always fighting. Mm -hmm. You know, he, he according to Lemmy, he was quitting every other two months. Well, and he's a co-producer on yeah, Iron Fist, and eventually they just didn't call him back. <laughs> so that's kind of his exit from the band. Pretty notorious, and and you know, uh, well documented that there was a lot of bad blood there. I personally love Fastway, um, and also we're skipping over the collaboration with Girls School. Which we were listening to earlier before we started this, which I love. I'm a huge yeah. old school fan. That's my one of my favorite new album bands. Did you just say new album? I did. Okay, guys. Uh, yeah, we thank you for listening to our <laughs> cast. And uh, hey, <laughs> no, uh, no, girls' school. And oh, by the way, speaking of those idiots at Banger, uh, that moron, uh, the the professor guy that was like 116 years old, and Martin Yankoff, yeah, whatever. Uh, had a lot of negative things to say about Iron Fist. So, oh, whatever. Of course. Did he use his like general blanket statements like everyone yeah. at the time? It, it, that mean when he says everyone, he means him and his you know four douchebag friends and two <laughs> thought that Iron Fist was bad. So he's speaking for all people that you know, all the 
thousands of people that day that bought the record and loved it. But no, and I was gonna say quickly because you love Girls School, Girls School, and pick up if you, if you like Girls School, pick up the very first Rock Goddess album. Oh, absolutely, absolutely killer, dude, absolutely killer. And I like let me quote comment about Girls School when. They were asking him, you know, what about sexism in, in your guys' music or in rock and roll? And he's just like, I don't give a shit who you are. As long as you can play and you can write yeah. good music. Like, I don't care. And he, he said, I remember, he said he would tell people, like, they're good, man. And they yeah. play better than you. Right. So, and they can drink you under the table. So, I don't know what you're... Yeah, <laughs> you're yeah. just, and <laughs> it was daring to do the Clever School School, much to Eddie's dismay, who did not want to do that song. No. And by the time they do Stand By Your Man with Wendy Williams, which I love as well. I love Wendy. We all know that. <coughs> Excuse um, me. Yeah. There's a little trend of Lemmy doing this with women that he's sleeping with. Yeah. So, hey, I mean, I get it, you know. Let's do a cover song and then, right. you know, let's do, let's collab on something. I mean, one of the reasons he got after Hawkwind is famously, while they were picking him out, he was already sleeping with two of the guy's girlfriends anyway. So <laughs> he, he has a pretty, led by a short leash. It's probably those it. Cheerios that stuck to his face that are like... <laughs> but Fast Eddie dips uh, after Iron Fist. And then we get to, you know... The, the greatest. Record, the, the record we think is the best. And it's a divisive record. I don't know why. Motor Lizzie. Another yeah. perfect day. I fell in love with this album. I love the album cover. When I was 18 years old. Uh, it was I, was, I got into Motorhead kind of... Uh, Tail end of high school. From Mike, who I play in Exorcism with, we were playing in a band when we were younger. And I listened to Motorhead a couple times. And I knew a little bit about them. You know, Ace of Spades and stuff. But he was a big fan. And when he said that was one of his favorite bands, or his favorite band, I was like, oh, I mean, I'll check them out more. And this is the first album I got. Which is a weird album to pick. I think I picked it because the cover is the best ever. Dude, it rolls. And... One Track Mind and <sighs> and Dancing on Your Grave are my top two Motorhead songs of all time. Uh, this album rules. It's Motorhead's prog album, I guess. Because well, of Bravo. Yeah, and I mean, look, man. It still I, retains the attitude and this, the I, classic elements, though, right? I'm, I'm such a... I, I'm obsessed with Thin Lizzy. I mean, one of the absolute greatest... Rock and roll bands. For Julie One Mask, and we will do we will do a Thin Lizzy. Oh my god, yes. It's crime. And I know I shouldn't care, but it's an absolute crime and a travesty that they are not in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And Ice Cube is? Yes. Like that. And look. Not that the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame means anything to me or No, and it shouldn't. You know, I mean, us being from the you know, this area, it's like it's cool to go there and whatnot and see some of the memorabilia, but when you see like Taylor Swift shit in there, it's like it's a, it's a joke. It's a joke. When you see that in there, and you don't see Thin Lizzy, mm-hmm. you got a, an Iron Maiden. You do see Lemmy's jacket, which is the reason they're not in, and they'll never, they'll never accept. That's uh, they fam- famously have a jacket of Lemmy that he had on tour, and Lemmy, as we all know, was a hoarder. Basically, mm-hmm. would keep everything. Mm-hmm. His apartment was basically an accumulation of his life. He just never threw anything away. And he wanted his jacket back, and he said, "I until they give me my jacket back, I'll never go to the rock and roll thing." He was bitter about it. They yeah. wanted his damn jacket. So, no, and it's 
But any, but anyway, yeah. And Phil was such a huge fan of Thin Lizzy that he, oh, it yeah. was because of him that he kind of hey, let's get. And they wanted Bravo. And I mean, Fast said he waxed about this in his book a bit, where he found out years later when Phil confided in him that you know. They wanted Bravo in anyway, and mm-hmm. I think they kind of knew that Eddie would never accept him as a second guitar player. Mm-hmm. Even though Motorhead was supposed to be a four-piece anyway, mm-hmm. I think they really the three-piece was really the the glue. And Eddie, I think when we get to Iron Fist, you can tell Eddie Clark wants to have more of a prominent place, mm-hmm. and I think Lemmy branching out and doing things with girls who. It was kind of like a slap in his face, like, yeah, you can have a bigger role, sure, whatever, but not after I, I collaborated with Wendy O. Williams and her and her uh, and her ridiculously smashed up face. <laughs> I think you're saying ridiculously smashed up snatch. <laughs> you know, I love me some Wendy. She's oh my god, she'd get it. I don't know how you don't think she's. It, There's something it, about Wendy. Dude, it'd be like sticking it in like rotten hamburger at this point. I mean that chick. <laughs> was so raunchy. I mean, it's, yeah. But it, it look, you know, Fastway, to me, a little tidbit, interesting tidbit, the singer on those classic albums, Dave King, right. is in Flogging Molly, it's which awful. is awful. Yeah. It's like listening to, I know it's funny because our friend Justin said <laughs> anything like pub punk, like Flogging Molly <laughs> and, uh, Trying to think, drop kicks. Yeah, he was like, "Is it just me, or does this all like does do all these songs sound like Bob the Builder?" <laughs> <laughs> they kind of do. They like, actually do. But yeah, but fat. You know, Eddie leaves uh, Motorhead. Pete Way leaves UFO. They kind of mm-hmm. just you know, they form Fast Way. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pete Way ends up leaving, obviously, and. Fastway put out some great albums. A tr- which is treat. Come on, man. Dude. Here's here's something. So my son's favorite song, by the way, is Trick or Treat. Oh, dude. Yep. He's gonna be okay. <laughs> Did you just have like a tear? Just shed a Honestly, tear. Honestly, when he he calls it rock, because of the rock. Rock and the song. So he's like, Daddy, put on rock, and I'm just like things I'm doing I'm doing doing something right. So, yeah. There the funny story I was with. Anthony Biello, our friend, your mm-hmm. uh, drummer in Grave Plague. Famously not a Motorhead fan, which is, I mean, one of the, yeah. it's like the 16th thing that's wrong. With yeah, <laughs> but we're standing in our the record store, and I pulled out the vinyl from Fastway, and Biello picks the record up, he turns it over, and he points to Jerry Shirley, right. and I'm such a Humble Pie fanatic, okay? And he points to him. He was like, yeah, that's the guy that taught me how to play drums. Yeah, he did. And I was like, what? And, you know, it's Biello and all he does. Well, his aunt was a big, she dated him. Yeah, but I didn't know that. And I just think, I thought he was just taking the piss. And he was like, no, literally. And you could tell when somebody's serious, because then he came up with the story about, no, he used to work at WNCX up in Cleveland, and my aunt was dating him. And, yeah, he taught me how to play drums. And I was just like, how are you not, That that's like the craziest you know what I mean? Yeah. You were taught how to play drums by Jerry Shirley of yeah. Humble Pie. That guy's like rock royalty to me. Like that's insane. Yeah. And it's it's a it's a shame if that punk bitch Biello is listening to this. You don't have a drum kit in your house. <laughs> I wouldn't just, even have a family. 
It's a shame. I would just it's a be... shame that you didn't teach me how to hit the drum hard. But anyway, uh, <laughs> oh, I'm kidding. We love you, dude. Yeah, it's, I'm, I'm kidding. And I've always made fun of Anthony for that. No, Anthony's no, was... technically is a very good drummer. No, he is. Well, uh, yeah, it was just... But yeah, anyway, um, you're kind of getting off track here with <laughs> these anecdotes. What a but... perfect day. Like, what, what, what... Why do you think people give this record such a hard time here's the thing i don't know and i'll tell you what usually when i get into bands when i was younger and i i got into motorhead i remember reading that it was a lot of people's least favorite or that it didn't sell that well it's the first one i bought because of that yeah i usually go after it's like wasp inside the electric circus uh blackie hated it mm-hmm. he didn't really like it. Yeah. it you know fans don't really talk about it that's the one I grab. I don't know why. I always do that with bands. I gravitate towards those albums. Sure. Um, and I did it with this. But then when I started listing, it's great when I start with Another Perfect Day and I could kind of go outward yeah. each direction and just start picking albums up. And I'm thinking, I don't get it. I, I don't get why this one isn't loved as much as the others. Because I think, if anything... It's like you said, it's Motor Lizzy. If yeah. you love Thin Lizzy and you love Motorhead, it still sounds 100% Motorhead. Yeah, maybe they do a little expansion. I mean, back at the Funny Farm uh, and, you know, Shine is such a fucking good song. I Got Mine, Tales of Glory, uh, Marching Off to War. They, they do, they expand a little bit guitar-wise. But it's and songs are a little longer. Yeah, they're not like you a little know more layers. You don't get it. the yeah. You don't get these like you know but two it's minute. Cool. It, it, it works. It, it that's does, the thing. It takes I don't the get best it. Elements of those two things. And Robbo, you, you always mention you're you're famous for mentioning um, guitar players are good when they're kind of reeled in by people. Mm-hmm. You know whether it's Vinny or whether it's you know uh, other players that can you can kind of dial them back. Mm-hmm. Like, we wish somebody would have done with Ingve, mm-hmm. where you can kind of reel him in. And do, well, I guess Graham Bonnet tried, and Alcatraz failed <laughs> yeah. miserably. But, yeah, and he was on Steeler. Yeah. Um, Steeler's well. probably the best example of Ingve being kept on a... Absolutely. too much of a leash. I mean, they didn't let him do anything. Mm-hmm. But I think Robbo doesn't do too much. Mm-mm. Now, he doesn't... He famously doesn't fit. And the I mean, come on. When you look at the guy in He's like booty like tennis shorts, shorts and... and looks like looks like Pete Sampras, <laughs> like you know, famously Andre Agassi. Because you know, obviously guitar. the Hell's Angels used to do, uh, they used to do, they were road crew for Motorhead. They used to do the security, and Lemmy famously overheard like this guy in the crowd being like, "Who's this weird looking guy on stage?" You know, it's Motorhead's new lead guitar player. This Hell's Angel took a drag of a cigarette and said, let's kill him. <laughs> so he was he didn't fit in. Uh, he also didn't want to play any of the old songs live. No. Ace of Spades. He didn't want to play Iron Fist or anything. So they were it wasn't going to work out. It was pretty... They made a great record, but... Doesn't that show it. you Can how... Can you imagine Motorhead doing... I love no. Another Perfect Day, but I don't want... Three more another perfect days. Yeah, because it wouldn't live it, up to it. It wouldn't be, stand out. It's like, it's almost like Blue Murder, the self-titled. It's so unbelievable. But then you get, I think the second album, Nothing But Trouble. 
I think that, that that's what hey, it is. I love Badlands, but and it's great. And the same with Badlands. I love the self-titled. I love Voodoo Highway, but it's not the self-titled. It's not the same. It's also kind of thrown together and not really a, a proper record, you know. And I think that another perfect day is great to me and my favorite because it's so. Especially when people say oh, Motorhead just makes the same record all the time. You throw this album in their face and mm-hmm. say, "Here you go." Um, and then we move on to the four piece. Pete Gill joins uh, from Saxon. Saxon, yeah. Um, this is my least favorite. The little era with Pete Gill. Now I do love the No Remorse EP. Mm-hmm. Um, well, what's your real quick? Death. What's your favorite song on Another Perfect Day? Uh, a one track mind. I get yeah. I, I got to agree with you, and I'll put love the Entombed cover. By the way, you got to shout out that. Oh, it's fantastic. And. I'll go one. Yeah, I agree with you with one track. Mine. I'll go dancing on your grave then. If you're gonna do one shine, track, yeah. dancing on your grave. Sepultura. Did a Rocket. Great cover of that by the way too. Yeah, Sepultura did a lot of. Orgasmatron. Yeah, that's actually the. Believe it or not, it's the first Motorhead song I ever heard. Really? Was the Sepultura cover. Over Orgasmatron. Yeah. Nice. But yeah, no, I that's that's good. I. I think that's one of the the things. As soon as you know when we we first met. So what's your favorite Motorhead album? And we both were like Another Perfect Day. That was one of the, yeah. You could hear the angels sing. You really could. I, eyes I, locked. Yeah. It was it was a it was a come to Jesus. Juice moment. juices yeah. were flying. I mean it's it was, you know. It's one of those moments where you really know, like, okay. It was that's the and it's, I love that it was we were both trying to size each other up and automatically. Yes. You know. <laughs> but Orgasmatron, that's kinda of what we get to next. Horrible. Mix. Well, we gotta no, we gotta first talk yeah. about the member changes. Uh, Robo leaves. Famously, you know, you get. Uh, well, Robo leaves before he was murdered. Right. He <laughs> he narrowly escaped a bullet uh, from that one. I mean, that wasn't gonna last a long time. But you know, we have uh, we have Wurzel, your boy, and Pete Campbell, um, and we we kind of have the two. This is where it starts. What I call the the the, the third phase. Mm-hmm. Where you get the Motorhead four piece, which goes from Orgasmatron and all the way to Sacrifice. Mm-hmm. So we have a good, real ten year run. And we see Phil Campbell. Yeah. Come in. Yeah, Phil Campbell. You got Wurzel, who you know, Wurzel Warfare, Metal Anarchy. Come on. Uh, mm-hmm. We can talk about Pete Campbell's band before Motorhead, I guess, <laughs> if you want. Uh, Pretty, but probably the worst new wave of British heavy metal band on the planet Earth. Um, but uh, you can you can drop their name if you want. I really don't want people to even check this out. What Persian Risk? Yeah, Persian Risk is pretty bad. So uh, <laughs> it's only second only to his band after Motorhead, you know, Pete Campbell and the and the Bastard Sons, which is. Probably I know you keep of, talking about that. I you got to hear this singer. It's. If you I know want to you, lose, if you want to I know you texted me and you were like, "This singer fists himself." No, I was awful. like, "Really? It's that bad?" It's, I even heard the bad. new. It's it's really the worst, lamest butt rock vocals you could possibly <laughs> have in a band. But no, we get Pete Gill for a little bit. Um, Orgasmatron. I, I get that people think it's like a raw return to form, and as I get older, this album ages with me. Really badly. Really? I, I like some of the songs. I agree with Lemmy, and I agree with with uh, 
the songs are good, but the mix kind of ruins it. Uh, no, it is. That's the one thing that... I love Death Forever. I love... I thought there was something... Some of these songs are awesome. I even love... Ain't My Crime, Dr. Rock. Built for Speed. Riding with the Dr... The thing is, when I first heard it, the, the album, I honestly thought there was something wrong with my CD. I, I agree. Yeah, because I was like, what is going on with this production? I'm <laughs> like, a huge fan of the title track, honestly. Or I, Dr. Rock. I I love Orgasmatron. I think it's a great... It, it's a weird Motorhead song because it's it so slow um, compared to the other stuff. But, dude, I mean, it's... To me, I... And Jay, I know Jay is his favorite a lot. Bielo, this I think is one of the only Motorhead albums he likes. Uh, I think it's killer, man. The Claw, I mean, oh my god. But yeah, I mean, the only thing is, every, even to this day when I put it on, I'm like, oh Jesus, dude, that production it's on pretty, it. It's Which Lemmy, you know, said that he, he that when he first heard it, it was amazing, and then Bill Laswell leaves, and then yeah. comes back, and it's like a completely different sounding. Right album and Lemmy's like the fuck happened. Keep in mind, I mean, eight, eight, up until we have Bomber and Overkill were done by uh, give me this guy's name, the guy who did the Stones, um, and some classic, classic. They Jim, some Jimmy classic, Miller, yeah, Jimmy Miller, like they did some work, some classic producers. And I think by the time, or I think they even said like with Orgasmatron, the producers added some early hip hop beats. To like the title track or something, or really, there was like some weird kind of sampling they tried to do in the in the mix. <laughs> it, it it was it's a nightmare of a, of a record production wise. Now there's still that being said, when we say when I say it's not their best, it's Motorhead not their best. So mm-hmm. you do get some songs that, and live I think these songs from Orgasm trying to kill. Oh yeah, you know, I mean that's so I've, good. Yeah, like, even like Mean Machine. Um, I've seen you know. Ain't My Crime. Death Forever is probably one of my favorite Motorhead songs. Oh, dude, Death Forever is killer. Yeah. And or, I think Orgasmatron works live because it's got it this brooding, you know, kind of... effect isn't on it. It's, it doesn't sound so, yeah. you know, not, I don't want to say fake, but I, it's just the production doesn't really work for me. Now, when we get to rock and roll, this is another album that I, I don't... I think maybe I'm a little too hard on, on rock and roll. I think you are because I think it's. I think just because you got the power, if it were on the record, oh, dude, it would definitely launch it into the stratosphere because it's that's such a great. Track. My favorite version of "Just Because You Got the Power" is on the live album "No Sleep at All." Yeah, because he, Lemmy, cracks me up and he's like, you know, here's a song we have never, ever played in Finland before, and everybody cheers and he's like. His ex, what does he say? Isn't that exciting? Yes, it is. <laughs> no, it's not. I don't know. <laughs> but I love listening. His, his humor is evident throughout mm-hmm. the whole. And Lemmy's tongue-in-cheek British wit. His his lyrics mm-hmm. are something he doesn't get enough credit for at all. I was just watching a kind of a, a some interviews with some famous you know musicians like Slash and stuff like that. And Slash especially was like his lyrics, like he doesn't get enough credit. No, as a lyricist because they're so clever. Jailbait. Yeah, it's such a class. You think it's a sleazy song, and it's really like a, a kind of making fun of like rock stars getting in trouble. If you can't listen to the lyrical prowess of "Love Me Like a Reptile," yeah. 
It's true. You can't. And, and this guy. Doesn't he use like parallelogram in a song or something like that? Dude, that was like, <laughs> that was like, the, the one guy was like, you know, you know, the guy is an amazing lyricist when he uses the word parallelogram in a song, and it doesn't sound retarded. No, it just. <laughs> but I, just because you're not talking, Doctor Spock. Hear me calling, Doctor Ron. It's, he uses <laughs> these phrasings that if anybody else did this, if if I brought these lyrics. To my bands, mm-hmm. they, Mr. Spock, well, um, I'd be kicked out of my shit in five the, minutes. What's the song? Um, he makes it work. The song Rock Out on Motorizer. Killer song. First of all, that's a killer album, which we're going to get to. That album yeah. is one of the most yes. underrated records in this scale. I listened to that album this week, mm-hmm. and I was like, dude, you know what, man? But we're talking about funny kind of lyrics that Lemmy can get away with when he's like, rock out. With your cock out. <laughs> if so, if anyone else came to, with that lyric, I'd be like, dude, this is so corny. It's so cheesy. Yeah. But it's Lemmy. And you know that like when he says it, you're just like, all right, it's Lemmy. He can like, also be so get away cool. with it. Like, I like a little innocent bitch. Yeah. No, I ain't just screw. It's so like... Yeah. It's like, this guy's so fucking cool. Mm-hmm. You know, or like... That's just... Oh, like the guy limb that, from limb, limb from limb. You put that record on before you go on a date with a girl, and it gives you all the swagger and the. Well, what is the one yeah. album he said? If you play this album, girls will take their clothes off. Uh, and limb from limb has to be <laughs> like get so you good. smashed as a rat in some bar, sink my claws into your velvet skin. Mm-hmm. You know, come around anytime you like, honey. There ain't no shame in my bed at night. You're such a. It gives it's such a cool song. If Kiss were to make Limb from Limb, they would have made it corny. Mm-hmm. You know, and I love Kiss, but there there's some of these songs where, because as you get older, you really, really, really can't believe the myth of Paul Stanley being a womanizer mm-hmm. because he was actually a dork with a fucked up ear <laughs> that probably could barely talk to girls. It's a piece of broccoli right. for <laughs> an <laughs> ear. But Lemmy really was the real deal. Yeah, you know, and. He really was, and I think too. Rock stars, and we're getting into Motorhead in the '90s, and I want to make a point to say that if this band doesn't do what they did in the '90s, and I said this last night to some people at the show. Uh, by the way, deceased killed it. Um, awesome time. Shout out to Carnusia. Uh, it was awesome. Savage Master was great. Deceased King Valley killed it. Um, we were all talking, people were talking, guys in other bands, it was a great time, we were all talking about Motorhead, and I I made the point, if they don't do what they did in the 90s, late 80s into the 90s, they're not the legends that we all hold them to, because they made consistently put out records, tour, mm-hmm. and they never kowtowed any trends, but they were also never superstars, and they never lived up to this rock and roll caricature mm-hmm. they just were what they were and I think that the whole caricature thing those guys burn themselves out well, it's, it's like it's I mean seriously it's like a classic story of the tortoise and the hare and here's Motorhead as the tortoise yeah. just chugging along doing what they're doing and they're just consistent the whole time and everybody all these other bands are like the hare and they're trying to move fast they're trying to, you know, the they're always record, trying to get ahead. Huge, yeah, the huge mega star. And they end up losing. And then here comes Motorhead still going, literally still going 
until the day this guy died. Yeah. I mean, this is like, (laughs) it's, it's, you knew, it's almost like the Ramones, which is why Lemmy, to me, the only band I really compare Motorhead to is the Ramones. Because the Ramones, you always knew, there's going to be a record and a tour, Mm -hmm. always, until they croak, Mm -hmm. you know? We're talking about consistent record tour. The first time I saw Motorhead, Iron Maiden, would have been when they were on... Uh, was it Dio as well? Yeah, it had to be when they did uh, Hammer. Okay. So, I believe Hammer was coming out. Maybe. Or We Are Motorhead. Something like that. Um, awesome. It blew me fucking away. I can't remember. I saw, actually, with Arnie... Um, and, I, and I can't remember what album it was on. Maybe Kiss of Death or Inferno. I mean, it was that long ago. They toured with um, Corrosion of Conformity mm. and Zeke. Love Zeke. Which killed, dude. Zeke's one of my favorite bands. Yeah, for Patrick listening to this. <laughs> oh, love Zeke. He mentioned he mentioned that to me a lot. I've worshipped yes. Zeke. Yes, Zeke is like... Unbelievable. Very Death Alley is my favorite album. Um, Kicking the teeth. Bit, yeah. Big time Motorhead influence. But they came yeah. out, killed it. Dirty CO- Sanchez. Come on now. <laughs> COC came out, killed it. And then here came, you know, here comes Motorhead. And I'm standing there with Arnie. And it's at the, it's at the Cleveland Agora. We're standing there just listening. And I'm thinking, I always the first time seeing them, I always thought they were supposed to be super loud. And they weren't that loud yet. But every two seconds, Lemmy kept looking over and, you know, giving yeah. a thumbs up to, like, turn it up. And it got to the point where Arnie and I both had earplugs in, our hands over our ears. It's and loud. it was just, like, this wall of noise. Shit was falling from the ceiling. I was just <laughs> like, this this place is going to cave in. Like, nice knowing you. Yeah, I'm going to be buried under rubble it, from a motorhead show. And, it, dude, it was just... And part of that's almost like there's almost a sense of dark humor in everything Lemmy did and Motorhead did. Where it's not goofy, mm-hmm. but you can kind of tell he's kind of fucking with you. Mm-hmm. Even like his his consumption of stuff, like I was saying, like famous story, we gotta digress for a second before we get into uh more into rock and rock roll. and roll and famously uh, around the early eighties when Anvil Great sort of lips, where he's <laughs> Lemmy invites him to come up, and everybody who's ever seen him, I mean, lips is a goof anyway. He's yeah, kind of, a, kind of a, a weird guy. Yeah. So Lemmy's like, come up and have a couple drinks before the show. So lips is like, I should have known that I'm not gonna have a couple drinks because this guy never has had a couple drinks in his life. Mm-hmm. So he goes up and drinks Lemmy. Lemmy brings out a, like two jugs full of vodka that are like unfit for humans and six <laughs> six jugs of orange juice like gallon jugs pours them they start drinking lips is like I'm drunk after like two of these <laughs> and Lemmy's like here he gives him this like sniff gives him amphetamines You've never done speed when you do speed and you drink for those of you kids listening who've never done speed or uppers before you're sober Dr. Like Reed that. yeah you're if you, ever, if you ever hangover, do a bump. You won't be hungover. <laughs> but or if you're if you're drunk, 
Mm-hmm. He just had to do some speed. He'll be not drunk anymore. That's why he kept drinking. So he's sitting there, and Lemmy's on speed, and drink, that's when we drink all night, because he wasn't really getting too fucked up. And Lips, all of a sudden, the guy comes in, and he's like, hey, you know, you guys going on soon in a couple hours. He's like, no, we can play tomorrow. He's like, you've been up here for a day, man. It's 24 <laughs> hours later. So kind of always, like, messing with you, always. And I think the being loud and doing this almost kind of messing with the crowd, like, mm-hmm. where it's so loud you're hurt. But anyway. It's almost spinal tapish. Yeah. But not... It's absurd. Not in a bad way, because it's like... Spinal Tap, you know, and they, they lampooned it. Yeah. You know, hard rock, heavy metal. But it was like... It, it, it's funny to me when Sabbath did the whole Stonehenge thing on the Born Again. I think it was on the Born Again tour. Yeah, it was. And then you have Spinal Tap with the Stonehenge where it comes down and it's like super tight, you know? <laughs> But with Motorhead, Motorhead would do it, and you'd just be like, well, that's just that's Motorhead. It's just loud. It's absolutely insane. It's it's raucous. It's like, it was only, yeah, it's it's knowing what we know about Lemmy yeah. and his sense of humor and his wit, it's totally tongue-in-cheek. It and is. so the whole volume thing to him... Could be a function of him, blow, you know, he blew his fucking eardrums out years ago. Yeah, but probably it also, honestly couldn't. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we could be making too much yeah. of it. It was like, if he were here, he'd be like, no, I'm just fucking deaf. You guys are retards. <laughs> but, but yeah, and getting to rock and roll. Well, I gotta tell you, man. Stone Deaf in the USA, Blackheart, Traitor? Blackheart might be the best song on this record. I, I, I go Traitor, then Blackheart. Traitor lyrically is unbelievable I mean this just read the lyrics and I can't stress enough they're so political starting as well they're so angry there's a trend of Lemmy's uh, interest in obviously his massive interest in World War II Mm -hmm. World War I big military history buff Mm -hmm. Uh, Lemmy wrote some good political songs this being one of them Mm -hmm. just because you got the power also on this well this should have been on this run, the B-side of the worst Ooh. song they did, Eat the Rich. Yeah. <laughs> Talk about Louis' lyrical genius, though. We have Pepperoni as a reference, Dude. too. I mean, we have a lot of good rhyming schemes in Eat the Rich, but it's a pretty stupid song. And a dumb movie, so... It is a dumb movie. I like the song, though. I don't know. I just... The, the lyrics are... <laughs> Hash browns and bacon strips. I love the way that you lick your lips. <laughs> if Paul Stanley wrote that... Dumb. It'd be stupid as fuck. I would, if, Jay would love it. But <laughs> oh, it'd, be, it'd be like Jay on an island of his own. Is that the meat you wanted to eat? I mean, come on, dude. This is so... You guys don't get it. Paul actually worked at a deli most of his life. But you go from that on Eat the Rich to Traitor. You know, intrigue your soul desire. You sold your wife, your child. You sell your oldest friend. You sold your countrymen. And yet we know your name, traitor, traitor. That's like when, when I hear that, and I, I read those lyrics, I hear him sing it. It's like I get the same feel when I listen to COC on Blind, the song "Dance Dance of the Dead," mm-hmm. and I hear, which I think is for me, pound for pound, is one of the most politically charged, angry albums in my collection. It's like when for I hear Pepper Keenan too. Yeah, and uh, when I hear Traitor and I hear songs like Dance of the Dead, 
I'm, I'm just, yeah. I, I get so like amped up, you know. And when he says, when he introduces, just because you got the power on no sleep at all. But when he says, just because you got the power, you know, he yeah. j- he's like preaching to you. I don't know. It just makes the hair on the back of my neck stand up because I'm just like, this dude is just rolls, you know. But I think it's a great up. First of all, I love absolutely. I'm obsessed with the album cover. It's a great, probably one of their best album covers. Yeah, I mean it's to disgusting. me it's a real return to. I mean, this is where you know Motorhead had experimented with Prague, and we had another Perfect Day, which is really, and then they tried to kind of come back to a raw sound with Orgasm, trying to really didn't work, and really kind of it didn't work out with Pete Gill either. Uh, you know, it really wasn't working out. They get filthy back for rock and roll. So it's kind of a return to... They're trying to go back to a more... The approach that kind of brought them to the dance. I think rock and roll, for some reason, just doesn't get enough credit, maybe. Uh, it's also a little overlooked. Maybe because there really isn't a standout gem on the record. Not that, really. That really. I mean, maybe Eat the Rich is like... Which was and never, it shouldn't be. It was really a, a huge staple no. life for them after that, I don't think. I, no, it's not. I mean, maybe Stone Death in the USA, I've seen them play, you know, here and there. But Traitor is... probably was the one that was... That's what I'm saying. Just because you got the power was really the standout. And it wasn't yeah, and that's why I said, you know, when I posted on the, the Narcast page, that's my favorite song on the album. But it's not... But it's a B-side. Yeah, it's not on the album. It's not even... Right. So it's like... If that that song, take Eat the Rich off and put Just Cause You Got the Power on, and I think it'd be a way better yeah. album, you know. Um, but I, yeah, I think it's I think it's killer, and we see them take a bit of a break. Four years between rock and roll and nineteen sixteen, which you which, know, you, I'm gonna let you go here hear about this one because I nineteen sixteen to me to me this is. This launches the, the, the Motorhead era. At, it's like 1916 is a real, real pivotal renaissance period for the band because I think this really, commercially and critically, it was a really successful record. And I think that this really helped launch Motorhead into that next real phase of, of their career. I, I'm really, yeah, and I'm, I'm surprised that you don't like it as much is I think you should. <laughs> explain, explain, explain your. I want you to talk about it first because you love it. To me, I think it's the last Motorhead that feels like the old days. Like, like from this album back is like. And I know that we put them in, you know, groups. Like you have like the first, yeah. and then you have another perfect day, then. But really from 1916 back to me is like classic Motorhead. Because after this, you know, you have uh, uh, March or Die, Bastard, Secret. To me, March or Die is like, I don't want to say that they don't sound the same, but the way that that I think of it in my head, that March or Die is kind of like the Black album, where it's the pivotal album that really... Even though I love, unlike the Metallica, you know, catalog, <laughs> that's shit. With Motorhead, after March or Die, for, or from March or Die on, 
it's got a different feel to it. Maybe because of Mickey's in the band at that point, after Bass. But the, no, it's after March or Die. After March or Die, yeah. On, I'm, I'm, on, think, I'm thinking it's of Wurzel. Hellraiser on March or Die. And then yeah, after that and I'm thinking of Wurzel yeah. and Bastard. But, so there's, it, it's got a different feel. It's The music gets heavier. I think in the with the guitar tone, it's not as rock and rollish. It's it's or punkish. It's it's heavy. It's more metal. So I think that there's a difference there. Um, I can see that. But I think the songs, dude. The one to sing the blues is solid. But I'm so bad, baby. I don't care. No voices in the sky. Going to Brazil is fun as hell. Mm-hmm. Nightmare of the Dreamtime. Ramones. Yeah, okay. Uh, <laughs> okay. Uh, uh, 1916 is one of his best lyrical moments. You're looking at me I'm, like I'm, I'm completely I'm, I'm, insane. I'm, 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 hey, I, I haven't had a stroke. I haven't left. You know, I'm on <laughs> Read the lyrics to 1916 and tell me that when you see Lemmy mm-hmm. and you know about his antics, he's, he's a maniac, he's yeah. pure rock and roll... But then you read the lyrics, not only to Trader, but even on this, to the act, the, the, the title track, 1916. It's like, wow, dude. Okay. For a long time, this is the record I really didn't like. Uh, when I was younger, I picked it up. And I just didn't really, it took a long time to really warm up with me. I don't, I can hear on the record... It's great because it's it's Filthy's last hurrah. You know, mm-hmm. it really is. Mm-hmm. It, it's his last real proper record with the band. Mm-hmm. His last tour. I think it's great because Phil Taylor wouldn't have lasted. Physically, he wasn't going to be able to, to drum at the best level anymore. Yeah. And I think that he's a little lost on the record a little bit. And I know when they were making it, he was the music was moving in a way where he was kind of struggling with some of the material. I do love now the tracks on it. I, I do. I'm so bad, baby. I don't care. I love "Voices in the Sky" is probably one of my favorite Motorhead songs. It's a absolute but, but my favorite version of it is on "No Sleep at All." Yeah. Uh, so, I, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I just love. Uh, the live version of it more, uh, but nineteen sixteen to me is uh, no a, sleep at all. Uh, yeah, one of the live albums that it should be no sleep at all, uh, or whatever the nineteen sixteen live was that they did the video, uh, everything I, louder than everything else. I'm sorry. Uh, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, that was the nineteen sixteen live, and that's my favorite version of it. But nineteen sixteen, this is to me, it's almost. It's the sister album of Another Perfect Day, where it really is them kind of branching out musically and doing a little different things. Mm-hmm. The songs are a little bit more uh, layered, more diverse. Mm-hmm. But, and I do think when 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 nineteen sixty the songs I like on it I really like, but the songs I don't like I really don't like. Mm-hmm. Ramones being one of those songs. You don't uh, like not that? Not really a big fan of that track. Uh, oh my really god! Really at all? I don't. Um, I don't know if Dale's gonna listen I, to this. Dale Drazen, but I, I don't I, like those are fighting words. I, I don't like <laughs> uh, the title track either. I think it's kind of 
kind of goofy. You son of a... Uh, but, I mean, to me, what really saves it is, I'm so bad, baby, I don't care, no voice in the sky, going to Brazil. Dude, and going to Brazil is so fun. That's fun. Uh, but I think that here, and we're getting a March or Die, why I like March or Die better than 1916 is... Is because listen, of the Cat Scratch Fever cover? God. <laughs> but when, when March or Die is bad, it's fucking bad. You know? Uh, for example, the title track... <laughs> but Bad Religion Dude, Bad Religion is one of the greatest Stand. guitar riffs. Stand is great. Hellraiser. And I know we were going through this earlier. Better than the Ozzy version. I know, and I'm I, also I, happy that Lemmy got to write four songs on No More Tears and finally got paid. Yeah, I mean, I... One time Sharon Osbourne didn't fuck somebody over. Imagine that. I don't... Well, because I think it's Lemmy. Yeah. There's no way he would have allowed that to right. happen. But I, I choose the Aussie version because I just think it sounds like I, I told you that it sounds bigger, you know. Mm-hmm. The I I love the Motorhead version. It's like a nine and a half out of ten. I would give the Aussie version a ten out of ten. But I, I also think that the way the lyrics are, some of the in the the way that the, the song is, some of the higher vocal, yeah. I just think uh, it fit Aussie better. Um but that song wouldn't be great if Lemmy didn't write the fucking thing. Yeah, you know. So he also wrote. He wrote. Uh, no more. He wrote. My mom coming home. Mm-hmm. Uh, Desire. Desire. Couple, maybe. Uh, he wrote a bunch on yeah. Osmosis. Maybe like four, something like that. Co-wrote. But I, March or Die, I I love. And we enter Mickey, which I love Mickey D. One of my favorite drummers of all time. I think he... he you know gave... who else was on March or Die? Tommy Aldridge. Yeah. <laughs> and CeCe DeVille played on one of their albums, too. CeCe DeVille? CeCe DeVille did do some work with Motorhead. It was not on March or Die. It's later on in the catalog. Uh, but he did. Did do some work. Um, but Mickey D joins, and I think we get to Bastards, which is... For my money, Bastards to me is, that's the, where people, I think, who always, they always name drop 1916 as being the classic 90s record. Mm-hmm. Uh, my first real classic of the of this period is Bastards. I think it's such an underrated record. Uh, it is, well, I think the reason people say that is because, like I said, I 1916 has the feel of the older stuff. It just... And I, I think it in a big part because of uh, Phil being on it, mm-hmm. you know, playing drums. And I know that you said it sounds like Phil is lost, or it's yeah. not, you know, on that album. But I think that it's definitely, like, again, for me, it has the look, the feel, everything about it seems old school. March or Die is a little different. And I think that it's their Black Album to me. Not in terms of sound. It's just a little different. It's I said to you earlier, um, if there was going to be a more commercial Motorhead album, it would be March or Die. Absolutely, I think so. But the thing is, is that a commercial Motorhead album still wasn't 
right. commercial. You know what I mean? On your feet or on your knees, burner, With death yeah. or glory, I'm the sword, born to raise hell. Don't let daddy kiss me. That's a really serious song. I mean, that's about sex abuse. Yeah, I'm I mean, that's a really people saying. talk about you know, for a band that's always labeled like you know kind of goofy and partying and tongue in cheek. I mean, that's a really serious. Lemmy could write really serious songs like we sung with the political songs and these mm-hmm. kind of uh, even Poison where he talks about snug sneaks and lines about his dad mm-hmm. uh, and stuff like that. Like he always kind of gave you little slivers of like seriousness. But Bastards is a real. It's a solid, tight metal album mm-hmm. from. Perfect example too of that big production that doesn't feel fake or overproduced. Mm-hmm. I really this four piece I think was a really cool time period. I mean Wurzel and Campbell, the dual guitars, I think added a thickness to the sound. Yeah, that you know Motorhead never had before on any of their albums anyway. And I still like I like how Mickey sounds on it. I think this album is really good. Um, drum wise I love the production on it I mean it's it's the one album you know really the only albums I ever hear people crap on are Orgasmatron Mm -hmm. Another Perfect Day it's insane for me to think about how you can crap on any Motorhead album but nobody really talks enough about Bastards or Sacrifice being probably the that might be the best album. You can make an argument that's the best album they did in the '90s. This is the Motorhead thrash metal record. I mean, Dude, it's this, heavy this as hell. So, and this is actually Wurzel's exit because he famously couldn't really play on it very well. The and song "Sacrifice" itself is—it's so dark. It's so metal. This is really by this time in the '90s, it was pretty much known that Motorhead had created thrash metal, and they come out and they blow every band. 1995. What does Metallica sound like in '95? Load. Yeah. That's what Metallica sounds yeah. like in 1995. But it, and Motorhead's coming out and doing this. All these bands in thrash had been so successful, and here they come, and they pretty much make a better speed thrash record than all those bands had in 10 years. Mm-hmm. And I think Phil Campbell, to me, is the most underrated guitar player in metal. I think he doesn't get enough credit for his talent. I think it's really hard to replace Fast Eddie. And I think, like Mickey, he didn't try to play like Fast Eddie. No. He didn't try to mimic him. He just tried to do his own thing. And this is a perfect example. And his work on this record, I mean, come on. I think that this got to a point where when he was... After Animal and Fast Eddie were out of the band, I mean, it really was the Lemmy show. Yeah. But I think that more and more, you know, Phil Campbell started coming out of the wood. You know, he's yeah. opening up a little more and doing more stuff. And, you know, when you first made that comment that he's like, it was just a couple days ago, you said he was like one of the most underrated. I thought, personally, I thought that you were like on drugs. <laughs> and I'm just like, I don't get it. But then I'm listening to everything from Bastards On. And I like his stuff on the other albums before that but really when I'm listening it's, it, it, it's when it got to Motorizer that I was like alright this dude fucking rolls yeah actually it was Hammered and Motorizer which we'll get to but I was like 
This guy really is a good player. And these riffs on Sacrifice are intricate. Him and Mickey, the cool thing about, about Campbell and Mickey D and Sacrifice does, Sacrifice is a pretty technical record for a Motorhead record, mm-hmm. but it's tech, it's Motorhead technical. Mm-hmm. It's not technical in the way that it's taken from the sound. I love I love Mickey's playing, especially in the song Sacrifice. Oh, God. And some of these solos and these guitar licks are intricate, but they're not obviously intricate. Mm-hmm. They still retain that that attitude. Uh, All Gone to Hell, perfect example of that. Uh, or Fade to Black. Uh, it's just so amazing. The album cover to me, I remember when I first saw it, and I just thought, it just it looks pissed off. Oh, yeah. The red, you know, Snaggletooth looks absolutely awesome. Whether you call him Snaggletooth or War Pig, I don't know yeah. what people. It lo- it, oh, it's not Snaggletooth. Yeah, but I, I, this looks like a metal record. There's no mistake. Absolutely. And I, I, real quick, I want to get to people that always go back and you know, is Motorhead a metal band? Are they a punk band? Are they a hard rock band? Lemmy in an interview was talking about metal. The reason why he always talked about Motorhead being a rock and roll band, he was kind of explaining that to him metal was just, Motorhead was just metal in the context of rock and roll. Mm-hmm. Everything was a rock and roll band. Yeah. Or, I mean, every, Heavy everything they did. Heavy metal was the logical did. next step in rock. Yeah, he's, because it was just rebellious and... Things were becoming kind of like safe and boring, and so heavy metal was the thing that kind of came out. It was rebellious, and yeah. you know, but there was years back. I got into an argument with an old friend who was talking. We were going back and forth. Is Led Zeppelin a heavy metal band? Is Deep Purple a heavy metal band? There was no argument on whether or not Black Sabbath was considered a heavy metal band. But there are all these bands, and he was like, well, what about Motorhead? And I said, well, here's the thing. With a lot of the bands that came out then, when we think of heavy metal now, it's the influences, their influences are heavy metal bands. Yeah. When you go back to Motorhead or even Deep Purple and and Sabbath and Zeppelin, their influences weren't heavy metal bands. Lemmy famously remembers when there wasn't rock and roll. That's the <laughs> that's insane. That's when you know you're a legend. Yeah. When you're literally in a when you were alive when there was no rock and roll and you can tell people I was alive when there was no such thing as rock and roll. I, I remember seeing like Elvis and then it changed everything. Yeah, and I think that Lemmy was all he is the literal like personification of rock and roll. Yeah. If he, if he wants to consider, even though I can say Motorhead has put out some metal albums, and if Lemmy says the rock and roll... I think he just doesn't just, care. Yeah, and that's the thing. Everybody's trying to, you know, they're trying He's to categorize. He's incorporated metal and other stuff. He's incorporated metal. He just does rock and roll. He did whatever the fuck blues. he wants. Yeah, he's, he's incorporated a ton. That's what people are like, oh, many, Motorhead, Motorhead makes the same record. It's like, I don't think a band that has incorporated everything from thrash metal... Pretty much is a proto inv- a, a forebear and inventor of, mm-hmm. of speed thrash punk DB. There's no death metal. There's none of these genres without this band. 
a band that's been pivotal in the creation of so many genres and incorporated elements of those yeah. said genres and also incorporated things from blues to, to rock and roll to rockabilly to, to jazz to folk music and, and their, to, prog, uh, to prog in their music. How and can then, you call a band like that one-dimensional unless you're fucking deaf or a moron? Yeah, and then but that's, through all of that, then you put out a cover like Louie Louie. Yeah. And you're serious about it, and it's like, this guy, did, he did whatever the fuck he wanted to do. They're a rock and roll band through and through. And so even though when it comes to the getting back to Sacrifice and the albums after, where people are like, oh, well, these albums are metal, you know, because I hear a lot of, oh, Motorhead's, they're just a pure heavy metal band. It's like, well, when it comes to Motorhead, yeah, getting back to the argument I had my friend years ago, Motorhead is Motorhead, and it's what whatever Lemmy says the fuck they are. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> it's it. <laughs> and, and after Sacrifice, we leave Wurzel behind, uh, mm-hmm. who exits. Which and sucks. We get, we get the, it does, but I think that, again... They go back to the three-piece. Even on Sacrifice, just how I said about Phil, Phil Taylor kind of sounding lost, Wurzel's kind of... He famously struggled with this record. Mm-hmm. And I love Warfare and I love Wurzel, but the sound and move, as it got more metal, he was kind of lost in the shuffle. Mm-hmm. And I think just couldn't really hack it. Um... And we really get to Overnight Sensation, which is really, again, this is another, this is divisive too. And I love this record. I think that there's a track on Overnight Sensation, uh, Shake the World, which is like a, it's like a death metal riff. Mm-hmm. And Mickey D plays it in such a King Diamond way, mm-hmm. where it's really, really cool. Love Civil War, Crazy Like a Fox. I like Eat the Gun a lot. Yeah, Eat the Gun is great. The title track rules. I hate the album cover. Oh, album cover, I don't know what they're doing. It's typical 90s. Uh, it is. It's typical 90s CMC International Records. Yeah. Generic, fucking photoshopped. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I, I don't... Maybe a commercial grab. I think they were maybe trying to... But this really would be... I wonder if there was something about going back to a three-piece and putting these guys on the album cover. If what Lemmy was trying to do was kind of say, this is like Ace of Spades, which was the other album that they were on the cover. I wonder if he was trying to say, this is the the new Fast Eddie and Phil Taylor. This is Um, Mickey... And Phil Campbell, and this is our three piece, and we're gonna put ourselves on the on the I cover. I think honestly, given like in interviews where like interviewer famously was like was like oh this is like a return to the roots, and he's like it's the new fucking band, the new lineup. Yeah. How is it a return? I think he really got annoyed. I think by those comparisons, I think he just Wurzel wasn't cutting anymore, and it mm-hmm. really just was too much thought. Where it's like we're gonna keep going, another record, another tour. Yeah, musically, it's nothing like no. The old school. It's actually pretty catchy yeah. in a lot of ways. It's not really too... If, if Sacrifice was kind of intricate thrash, you know, mm-hmm. a little bit of technicality in there, this is definitely much more palatable, straightforward, catchy rock mm-hmm. attempt. Um, and whatever, overnight sensation. Anyway, we get to the best record that they made in the 90s. Uh Snake White Love. <laughs> Top five album. 
hated by the band, a really rushed effort where where they only had like six weeks to make the thing or something like that, and the <laughs> band didn't have any songs, and Lemmy was sick or something, so they wrote it without him, and neither of these guys were singers, so they wrote an album that he had no to sing on. Working, he's worked with Howard Benson as yeah. well. Love this album cover. Love for Sale is a top five Motorhead song for me. I love that it's all over the place. You get some rock and roll in like the title track. Uh, Assassin, such a dark song. Uh, Joy of Labor is awesome. It's such a... Snakebite Love, to me, I like that because it was so rushed, mm-hmm. it's, it has such a live, raw feel. But it incorporates everything. It incorporates Lemmy and the rock and roll elements. Mickey D is crazy with the drums on this. A lot of technicality. You get right. some awesome solos on it. I think after... It's it's almost it's schizophrenic. There's it's yeah. all over the place, but I like that it's all over the place. I like I think after March or Die, they really started to find their groove, especially as a three piece after Sacrifice and you know Wurzel was gone. Yeah, I think they really started to find their groove, and I think they they kept it all the way up until the last album. But everything has been. This is arguably, I mean, the most steady Motorhead lineup. It is, and it's weird because you still, I, I still hear people talk about Mickey B as Mickey D as being the new Motorhead drummer. Yeah, and it's like it just it feels that way. But literally, the dude was in the band for what almost thirty years. Phil uh, this, was in. This Phil Campbell was lasted longer than the original three piece. Yeah. Uh, now they didn't make an Ace of Spades or. <laughs> But mm-hmm. I think these records, Snakebite Love, low on most people's lists. Uh, not a very well-received record. But the same reasons I love Another Perfect Day are the same reasons I love Snakebite Love. You know, it, it's very all over the place. I like the album but cover. Yeah. I've always liked the album cover. And I think that it's a record that I think listeners need to really give a, another chance. I think that it's... It, not very well received by the band either. And I think they really, if this album would, if they would have had more time to make it, it probably would have been better, mm-hmm. quote unquote, but I think it would have lost some of its character. Uh, I think yeah. that it's. It is still, it's the 14th studio album, and it's still like, like we've said numerous times, Bad Motorhead is still better than your band, your favorite band's best album. Yeah, it is. Because it, it's not bad. It's like, you know, I think that We Are Motorhead is a better album. It is. It is a better. And I think this is my favorite. Uh, this is to me where they really, you were saying, find their groove. I think as a three piece, this is where they really find their groove mm-hmm. that takes them till the end of the, of the discography. We Are Motorhead is really, for this three piece that really Mickey, Campbell, and, and, and Lemmy, this is their real first. I think they. Overnight Sensation, they were kind of trying. Snake Bite Love, you know, they apparently were all on different drugs and not paying attention to anything. <laughs> Wrote the thing in fragments, but I love it, but it wasn't really clicking. I think with this one, they really clicked. We Are Motorhead is such an awesome record. Stay Out of Jail, come on. Wake the Dead. Dude, Wake the Dead is... I love 
stage fright crash and burn. We are Motorhead. Absolutely love it. Yeah. We are Motorhead and we don't have no class. Love it. It's 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 <laughs> great. We shoot you full of noise. We aim to kill. We burn like motherfuckers. Spit right in your eye. I mean, it's like my God. it's a mission statement for sure. But yeah, and then it really kind of takes it all the way in Hammered to me. Uh, well, here's what's weird about Hammered. When I went back and I listened to it, and I I think that it, uh, you know, one of the bonus tracks. Famously, the game that the Triple H, you know, Triple H used. Hey, um, introduced a whole generation of kids, though, to, to an older band. You should, if you guys can watch his eulogy yeah. to Lemmy, it's great because he's, he's talking, he was like, you, you don't know what it's like to come out into a, an arena with 80,000 people. There's pyro going off. It's loud. And you come up you know, out of the floor and you're making your entrance to a to a Motorhead song. Yeah. He's like, nothing gets better than that. And I think that that, it, I, I don't want to, I don't want to sound like Martin Dorkoff mm-hmm. and say, everyone, right? you know, mainly me, every time I thought about Hammered, I, I only thought about the game. Even I, though I, it's not part of the track list, it's a bonus track, but... When I went back and I listened, listen to Voices from the War. This album to me is a standout. And it is. I listened to this in the past week because it's it's like the one album that for some reason every time I go through my motorhead shit, I'm like, I always skip over it. And I don't know why. And when I put it on, I thought, damn, dude, there's so many fucking t- I think the production on it's really slick and perfect. Uh, Voices from the War is my standout track. That's one of the heaviest songs they've ever put out. I mean, yeah, I Voices from the War is probably the definitely the best song on that. Uh, no Remorse is also a really great song. But it's a great album. It's nowhere near as good as Joe's gonna take his clothes yeah, this off is now. Yeah, this is, honestly, I'll be I'll be one hundred percent real with you. Inferno I put Snakebite Love in the top five but to be honest with you Inferno probably belongs there more this is the best album they did in the 2000s it's fires on all cylinders there ain't a bad thing on this track it's it's nearly you want to talk about the modern equivalent to Ace of Spades it doesn't sound like Ace of Spades but as far as an album that just hits through and through, if you like metal, if you like rock, if you like this, from Whorehouse Blues all the way to Terminal Show, first track, mm-hmm. awesome dude, Killers, Life's a Bitch, Down on Me, one of my favorite Motorhead songs ever, it's, so good. This is with Inferno when I bought Now that I avoided buying, because I hated the artwork, I thought it was too digital looking, mm-hmm. um, for a long time, actually my old roommate Kevin, uh, bought the album and I remember listening to it and it blew me away it was awesome so when I heard Hammered because I remember you know I bought it when it came out and I was like yeah it's pretty cool you know kind of shelved it until I came back to it you know obviously recently years later but 
when I bought Inferno and then Kiss of Death and then Motorizer, I was just like, Jesus Christ. These guys are in their, like, you know, getting close to 40 years and they're still pumping out albums that I'm like, this is insane. Yeah. I mean, the quality is, like, unbelievable. I also think that for people that are, you know, talk about, oh, you know, Campbell doesn't really have the solo chops. Inferno kills the naysayers. Mm-hmm. The solo work on... on just... <laughs> you're just like you're going down on me alone man terminal show listen to his leads man listen to his riffs he's it's destructive That's, and the yeah. production's just monstrous and Lemmy sounds powerful on it at that, that's that the thing yeah at that age these albums Kiss of Death Inferno Motorizer even Hammered he sounds awesome he's got even more grit yeah He's older. I mean, it's... I think... It starts really on Snakebite Love, I think, is where he really starts to get the... Yeah. That 50s and the grit. For me, I think Kiss of Death is a little better than Inferno. Like a smidge. Only because of one song. God was never on your side. Yes. Great fucking song. (laughs) I knew it. I knew you I love the album, or the song title. Mm Mm-hmm. It, it, dude, it's so good. I love Sucker too. I mean, another great album from Sucker and and uh, um, uh, the the I think Inferno and Kiss of Death both have amazing album openers. Uh, Sucker is a great album opener. God was God. God was. But God was never on our side. Definitely, definitely the uh, the Steeler on that record. But yeah, I always I sort of glory too is a. I always dug the album cover. For for me though, when it comes to Inferno, Kiss of Death, and Motorizer, nice trend of opening records, you know, Terminal Show, and then Sucker. I mean, they they did a nice trend here throughout the end. Even like Motorizer, God, opens dude. up opens up real strong. Run around, run around, man. man. Dude, it's, Motorizer teach you how to sing the blues though. Man, taking taking pot shots at internet dorks, you know, at sixty something years old. Like, come on, man. Uh, Heroes. Heroes is unbelievable, dude. It is such, like, it needs to be, people need to, like, worship that song. It's so good. I I can't, it's, I I know that, you know, when we first talked about doing this episode, I was, you know, we were joke, we were joking back and forth because you're just like, no, 90s motorhead and on, and I'm like, I don't know. And then I went back. And I listened to a lot of it, and honestly, I was just eating my words. Oh, well, Mike was like, "You got to get him tonight, man. You got to get him." Like we were, we were ready to go to war. I was like, <laughs> right, and I was like, when you when I came here, you were like, "No, oh, I was kind of." I was like, "All right, well," because I'm telling, I've been telling people for years, Look, dude. When I'm wrong, I'm wrong, and I remembered buying Inferno and Kiss of Death and Motorized. It's a cliche that this band doesn't have a bad record, but they really don't have. Yeah, them. no. I, it, it's Motorizer to me is the best of those three. Um, I I just I think it's <laughs> I think back I'll put I think I could put Motorizer above Kiss of Death I had Kiss of Death before but I think Motorizer's stronger and actually I think it was Letourneau that uh, mentioned it and I really went back and because of Heroes mm-hmm. I think I think Heroes maybe the best track 
on Motorizer, which is Heroes, is better than the best track on Kiss of Death. Dude, he just so keeps that alone proving. I think makes it rock out too. Is also come on, he keeps proving. But teach you how to sing the blues is another. Yeah, he keeps proving with his lyrics. Like to me, there's there's lyricists that always stand out to me. Dave Windor from Monster Magnet, big time stands out. Yeah. Um, Phil, lineup, mm-hmm. Ben Lizzy, absolutely. One of the greatest. Selmo was about to be like, okay. (laughs) Walk on home, boy. Yeah, right. I mean, sure. Very deep and introspective. No, but. uh, Fuck your girlfriend last night. (laughs) I fucked your love. (laughs) (laughs) Jeez. But it was just. Listening to Thin Lizzy and those lyrics, um, and then Lemmy, dude, Lemmy and Phil, Dave Wynn, these guys always stand out to me as being some of the best lyricists ever. I agree. Um, even you know, the last three, World is Yours, Hammer, uh, World is Yours, uh, and, and Onward, I think are, are strong, um, Aftershock to me is the weakest. I mean, Lemmy was obviously really sick. Um, health issues are really kind of bad. They probably shouldn't have ever made the album. Uh, so for that reason, I think Aftershock kind of gets. Um, yeah, the world is yours. The world is yours, though. I think is. This got some another good stuff. Born, Born to Lose. Another time they open an album with a killer song. Born to Lose is one of my favorite songs of this era too. Uh, Outlaws, cool. Really, I mean, I, I got to be honest. When it comes to these last three, I'm kind of like, I, I love the album covers. I mean, Rule of Yours is one of my favorite album covers. Yeah, and I, I think that that's a great album cover. I actually like Aftershock. I love the colors of it. Um, just kind of like, eh, like we said, shouldn't have done the album. Yeah. Um, in Bad Magic, but I know. Bad Magic is... Honestly, it's not just because he's gone. Ending on the highest note possible. Victory or Die, Thunder and Lightning, Shoot Out All of Your Lights is such a good song. Mm-hmm. I think Bad Magic might be one of the best albums, too, of this era. And they ended on the best possible note. Well, it's the 40th... <laughs> anniversary, you know what I mean? Yeah. 75 to two, uh, 2015, 40 years. Um, I don't know. It, it's it's crazy that you think about a band, even though they've had what people would consider their ups and downs with albums that we've gone through that we still think are amazing. But 40 years and not a bad album. No. It's like not a bad. Pe- I mean, some bands have bad periods. Yeah. Kiss. Yeah. Have bad eras. Mm-hmm. You know, some bands have, and also, even though they had the member change, they didn't really have in four years not that many lineup changes. No. They have nice. What I like about Motorhead, when they switch lineups, they have one of the problems with Kiss in the eighties is you have that revolving door of guitar players. Mm-hmm. For a few records, 
Motorhead tended to stick with a lineup for a while. I, th- I think Lemmy was loyal. I think he just he wanted people. Whenever he got people, he stuck with them. I mean, how many times Fast Eddie quit and yeah. came back and quit and came back and all the bullshit that you know Phil Taylor yeah. put him through. And Lemmy was still. And I, you know, we were talking about it earlier that I think that even though all of these guys, even Wurzel and stuff, were out of the band, he always, other than Brian Robertson, and, and I mean, really, he still and, had and, great things and Pete, about him. And Pete Gill. Yeah. <laughs> But I, I, all those other guys, you could tell that he still had a ton of respect yeah. for them as players. And I don't know. I, I think it's crazy to still think of Phil Campbell and Mickey D as, oh, those are the new guys. Yeah. And it's like, dude, they've been on more Motorhead albums than, like we said, the, the classic lineup. Yeah, they really have. They've been, they're more Motorhead. Campbell especially was in the band for a pretty long time. Yeah. But since what, were Gasmatron or? Yeah, 85 to... Is when he, I mean, so you have, what, 20 years? Mm-hmm. 30 years, basically? 84. Yeah. Which is insane. 31 years. Yeah. That's, <laughs> it's That's like. That's yeah. I mean, that really is Motorhead at that point. And they still retained. He was in his 20s when he joined Motorhead. <laughs> and Lemmy was, what, 75 at that time? So <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, he was seventy-five. His Cheerios were probably <laughs> three hundred each. No, but I think I think uh, it's a testament to. They really are the best band, in my opinion, ever. They're the reason I play music, and really, they they are the reason I approach life in such a way. If anything, Lemmy and Motorhead taught me one thing: it's do things your way always stick to your guns always stay true to your convictions and those are like cliche things that people say Mm -hmm. but they really did embody it and there's really not a band I respect or admire more as a person as a music anything as a musician whatever than Motorhead and I think that they really are the ascent, like you said, the quintessential rock and roll band. For my money, the best, the best band to ever do it. I really can't. I think mean, of people always talk about Rolling Stones, Zeppelin, stuff like that. To me, Motorhead is up there, right along with them. I think Motorhead is up there. I think Thin Lizzy is up there. I think there's a lot of bands, especially Motorhead, that you know within metal. They get a lot of reverent, you know, reverence and, and praise, but they absolutely, again, if you're talking about the Rock Hall, which is a complete joke, but if we're talking about in the history of rock and roll, you can't talk about rock and roll without talking about Lemmy. Yeah. You can't. I mean, the guy literally lived and breathed rock and roll to the day that he died lived in a dump apartment outlived a lot of people outlived mm-hmm. and famously outlived the critics mm-hmm. survival is the best revenge and he did survive and I think that I, I really think that we uh, eventually we gotta do a Thin Lizzy episode but yeah it's, it's we should probably uh, keep in mind that we're going to uh, um 
probably start a little thing where we kind of want people to contribute a little bit more. Yeah, if you want to, if you like the podcast and, you know, we want to obviously take this to the next level. We want to get t-shirts and stickers and kind of get a little more involved. And, you know, we were talking about getting interviews with, you know, musicians and stuff. And I know in the era of the internet, we can just send messages out here and there. And, hey, can, you know, can we interview you for right. this podcast? And, um so on anchor which is you know our platform that we use for the podcast if you get on anchor we're we're going to set up something kind of like a patreon you know obviously don't expect people to right. but if it's something that you know you feel good about doing if you guys want to support us um we'll do things too or we'll do uh you know things like giveaways and stuff to like mm-hmm. hook you guys up to and we also want to get you guys more involved uh, next episode that we do, we're going to take a couple weeks off. Um, we're going to come back with a old school death metal essential list. We have Devin from Limb Splitter is going to be joining us, hopefully. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also want to get... Hopefully, even yeah. though we've had yeah. <laughs> tried Mike from Hammer. <laughs> He's in his cave somewhere crafting <laughs> more, more music for me to ruin. Uh, but... Yeah, we eventually want to get uh, your guys' picks for the next shows. I know uh, Best of 83 was a choice. I think it was Laterno. So we're going to do that. I know he said that we're going to constantly talk about his good ideas in every episode, unfortunately. Yeah, uh, Patrick Frank's 1983 idea was awesome. <laughs> uh, so we're going to be doing that. Um, and then, yeah, get you guys uh, involved. Unless it's like, you know... Uh, Unless your ideas are absolute trash, in which case we're not going to do it. But Yeah, like you want us to do all your favorite Voivod albums, then you're, you're counting me the fuck out. See, I'll definitely I'll be down to that. I, <laughs> I can't believe you don't like Voivod. Oh, my God. That's... Oh, my God. No. <laughs> what do you put in your cereal? Cum? Or what do you... What do you say? <laughs> well, that's... No, because I don't listen to Voivod. <laughs> that's insane. <laughs> but... Yeah, but, I mean, it's a ten, episode 10. We figure we did 10 episodes... Take a couple weeks off, come back. Um, yeah. I guess I, I can say that I'm trying to get with Jay. Uh, we're trying to get our own little horror podcast up off the ground called The Horror of It All. Um, if he could ever, you know, quit being a, so domesticated and a housewife and actually get off his ass and do something about it. Um, but yeah, I mean, we got a lot of good things coming up, a lot of good ideas, and uh, hopefully... The horror of it all should just be based around that Folgers commercial with Paul Stanley. That's a true <laughs> fucking horror movie. <laughs> Every episode right. just revolves around how absolutely horrific that <laughs> Folgers commercial is. It's terrifying. But yeah, man, I think this is a good place to kind of take a break. And, uh, you know, obviously the Facebook will still be... Our page will still be active, and... I think we're gonna start probably should start an Instagram and yeah get people involved and things like that and over the next two weeks you know we'll probably throw some death metal polls up and stuff for our absolutely we'll still we did old, we did old school you know we did like you know US death metal this is just gonna be like any across the board old school death metal right yeah probably pick 10 15 20 albums who knows you know we'll pick stuff and throw it on there but yeah I mean thanks for Thanks to everyone, especially the that you know that's constantly been supportive and active and kind of keeping the page going. So yeah, absolutely. All right, cheers. All right, we'll see you.